You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, welcome back to another episode here. I am your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez, a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to remind you guys that NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Lockdown's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to our second to last episode this week. This is your Thursday episode, obviously, and I kind of wanted to piggyback a little bit off of where we ended off yesterday's episode with former host Brad Motter. I kind of had this segment at the end there where Brad and I dove into Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, the Los Angeles Rams wide receivers, and gave them a bit of a appreciation type of segment. And now, you know, parlaying that into today's episode, I was thinking about something and I thought that You know, looking at some recent rankings over at PFF specifically, they kind of broke down every single position, ranking the top 30, 32 players, you know, amongst those specific position groups. And now they're doing, you know, top 32 running back groups and all that kind of stuff. So I got an idea that, you know, the Rams seem to sort of be perennially underrated almost. And, you know, that obviously piggybacks off of yesterday's topic of Robert Woods and Cooper Cub, who I think sort of symbolized that a little bit better than anybody else on the team. And it got me thinking that, are the Rams actually a victim of their own success? And why I thought that was because at this point in time, obviously since Sean McVay was hired and Les Need has been with Sean McVay, you know, since 2017, they've been basically running the Rams, I guess you could say, together. They've made the playoffs nearly every single season. Only one time they missed it in 2019 where... They had a bit of a weird season, obviously, and just weren't as productive and some injuries and things like that, whatever. They've obviously had a lot of sustained success now. They've put a lot of players in you know, their best seasons individually. You look at guys like Jared Goff, who they turned from a bust into a guy who's made multiple Pro Bowls and quarterback the team to the Super Bowl. Aaron Donald, obviously a couple of Defensive Player of the Year awards, which I'm sure he probably would have won anyways without Sean McVay and whatever, but at the same time, you can't discount that. You look at a lot of these other names, Robert Woods has a nice career revival, goes from Buffalo where you know nobody really thought of him as a very good wide receiver. Now he's one of the most underrated in football. You see the Cooper Cups, the Tyler Higby, who looked very bad and very raw under Jeff Fisher, now one of the better tight ends in the NFL. So They clearly have this sustained success individually when you look at position by position, as well as as a team, they've obviously made it to the playoffs four out of five times. They've, you know, won multiple playoff games. They made the playoffs in their first season under Sean McVay. They turned from the 32nd ranked offense, I want to say that was in 2016, to the number one ranked offense in 2017. That was the first time an NFL team has ever done that. And I believe that's based off of points per game, by the way, not yards per game. So that kind of shows you just how quickly this regime had success in Los Angeles, had success with the Rams and what they were basically given and inherited. And not only that, but I think at this point in time, it almost feels like they've been underrated to some degree because you look at certain things like the head coach rankings, for example, for the past few seasons, 
how is Sean McVay ranked lower than some of the names? Now, you know, this recent piece came out from Pat Doherty over at Roto World or NBC Sports Edge now, and he ranked all the head coaches, and Sean McVay, I believe, was fifth. So that made a lot of sense to me in uh, in terms of, you know, where he ranks among all these head coaches in the NFL. But you look back to the last few years, there were all these different coaches, the Doug Petersons and all these different guys that were ranked ahead of Sean McVay that I don't think were ever better than Sean McVay was as a head coach. And now you look at some of these PFF articles here, and I wanted to pull them up little by little because they broke them down position by position and look at the most egregious you know, disagreements on my end, at least. Their running back rankings by Sam Monson, one of my colleagues, by the way, does great work, but I can't disagree more here. You look at the running back rankings. He has somebody like Chris Carson ranked eighth. Okay, that's pretty high in my opinion for Chris Carson, but David Montgomery, 13th. You look at some of these other names. I mean, James Robinson, undrafted last year with the Jaguars. Solid season, 18th. Najee Harris, who hasn't played it down in the NFL, 20th. Tony Pollard, a backup running back, 21st. 22nd, Devin Singletary, 23rd. Travis Etienne, 24th. Another rookie, Javante Williams. And in his top 32, Naheem Hines. Some of these guys, James White's Chase Edmonds. Kenyon Drake, Mark Ingram. You didn't hear me say Cam Akers. You didn't hear me say Daryl Henderson. And that wasn't a typo. Neither of those guys were ranked inside the top 32 running backs in the NFL. And that is just kind of crazy, in my opinion. I mean, I get what he was sort of alluding to here in terms of, you know, guys like James White. They offer the receiving ability. And at PFF, the running game is always viewed as less valuable than the passing game. So guys that can make those receptions out of the backfield and contribute as pretty much pseudo receivers are going to get a bump in terms of the rankings and things like that. But how do you got Mark Ingram on here? 32nd, Mark Ingram. He's not going to contribute as a receiver at this point in his career. Never really has. He's a plotter at this point in his career. He's going to the Houston Texans, arguably the worst team in football. Is he really better than Cam Akers? Would you really take Mark Ingram on your football team right now over Cam Akers going into next season? I don't think anybody in their right mind would do that. And that kind of ties back to the point here is that are they almost underrated to some degree? I know if you ask Rams fans and people that cover the Rams, they're always going to give them a little bit of a bump, maybe because they're biased, myself included. You could consider me biased to some degree, I'm sure. But at the same time, I think ranking 32 running backs, the top 32 running backs, pretty much going into this offseason, going into next season, and not having Cam Akers or Daryl Henderson on there just seems ludicrous to me. I think you have a better case to make that both guys actually land inside the top 32 running backs than you do. And that sort of encapsulates what I think of the Rams right now, how I think they're sort of a victim of their own success. And I'm going to continue talking about this in the next segment as well as the final segment. Look at some of these other rankings and disagreements and potential agreements. And we're going to dive into those in the next segment. While we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MVP and the page at Locked On Rams. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. Folks, are you having any car troubles? You ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't start? Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. 
Rock Auto is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You heard me correctly. That's two decades. We know there's no better time than right now to try and support family-owned businesses with the strange COVID stuff we got going on in our world. So if you can, please, I urge you to try and do that. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or you're a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, you should just check out Rock Auto. All you have to do is go to their website and check out all their available parts. If your car needs it, there's a good chance that they have it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us so they know that we sent you. Welcome back to the second segment of this Thursday episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. And I did mention before the break that we're going to continue this discussion how I think the Rams have almost become a victim of their own success because of pretty much how successful they are as a unit. They don't have any of these individual star players at least not on the offensive side of the ball like a Julio Jones that we've talked about you know for the majority of this week or you look at some of these other running backs the you know Alvin Kamara's the Rams don't necessarily have anything like that but what they do have is a very well-built unit that knows how to work together and guys that can contribute in a variety of roles and that are going to be selfless and I think no two players on the offense symbolize that better than Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And that does, again, tie into yesterday's discussion in the final segment that Brad and I had. You look at the rankings here. Robert Woods ranks 29th among the receivers in this PFF article and Cooper Cup 30th. And this one is a little bit less egregious, in my opinion, because there's a lot of good wide receivers in the NFL. I totally get it. At the end of the day, you know, if you talk about the top 32, which they both do make the top 32 That essentially means that they are both considered number one wide receivers, at least in the NFL. So, you know, I agree on that behalf, and I do think that they have earned that right. But at the same time, you know, you look at some of these other names that are ahead of them or sort of in that same range. Corey Davis of the New York Jets, a guy that I was very high on coming out. I love him, but is he significantly better than those two? Maybe not. Is he even better than them? Maybe not. Does he have a higher upside going into next season? Yeah, probably because he's 24 and those guys are a little bit older, but is he a better football player right now than Robert Woods or Cooper Cup? I don't think so. You look at a guy like Cole Beasley, while I like him being on this list because I do think he's another underrated player because you know he's this small guy who's not very fast. He's not going to make any highlight reels type of plays, really plays in the slot. So a lot of people are going to knock him for these things. So I do appreciate the fact that he made the list because you ask any slot corner, they're going to tell you Cole Beasley is a problem. He's ranked 23rd. Is he significantly better than Robert Woods or Cooper Cup? Probably not. You look at Debo Samuel, ranks 31st, right behind Woods and Cup. Is he on that same tier? Maybe, but is he proven to be on that same tier? Has he been as consistent? Has he been as healthy? Absolutely not. And so I think, you know, these two guys really go along that theme of we kind of have just become accustomed to watching these guys do their jobs so productively, not really make any peeps about it. You know, the Rams aren't going to be this explosive, crazy team that's going to be all over the highlights like some of these other players are, like I mentioned, the Julio Joneses. But the rankings, I mean, in my opinion, they're a little bit low. Now, again, they are still considered number one wide receivers, both of them. So I do like that fact. But I don't know. Some of these names, I think, are just very questionable. And, you know, continuing that trend. And this one is maybe the most egregious, in my opinion, at least if not the most, the second most outside of that running back discussion. You look at the tackles, all the best tackles ranked again by PFF. Andrew Whitworth landed 15th, and that to me, I don't know about that one. I think we're talking about a guy here that was a top five tackle in terms of how he played last season. Now, I understand 
He's 40 years old. There's a good chance that he could step back. Even if he's not elite next year, there still could be some regression, maybe into the very good tier or into just the good tier. I don't know. But at the same time, he's really showed no signs of slowing down. The guy is so freaking good at his job. And you look at some of the other names on this list that are higher. A Garrett Bowles from Denver, solid player. I mean, he was very good last year, but that's one good year. Are you really going to put a Garrett Bowles with one good year above Andrew Whitworth, who's had a decade plus of dominant play? That does not seem right to me. You look at the Taylor Moten, another very good player, but very young, very unproven to some regard, at least still, because two or three good seasons are great, right? But they don't really compare to Andrew Whitworth's decade plus or, you know, 15 years plus of very good play. Jack Conklin, another name. Braden Smith, another one. Mike McGlinchey. All these guys ranked ahead of Andrew Whitworth. I think Whitworth, like Cup, like Woods, really, really does a good job of sort of encapsulating and symbolizing what the Rams are here, as well as Sean McVay, is that these guys are going to be selfless. They're going to be obviously good leaders. They're tremendous players. They do everything that's asked of them at a good to very good to great level, and they don't really get the recognition that they deserve. And again, I can understand why, because even you look at the team's success last year on the offensive side of the ball, wasn't great. I think they ranked 20th in terms of the offense. That might be yards per game. I forget what figure that was, but at the same time, you want to try and break these guys down on a micro or macro level, specifically compared to the rest of their peers at their position groups. And I just think it's a little bit weird to not find one of their running backs on the list, specifically Cam Akers. We know how talented he is. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if he finishes top five in terms of rushing yards per game among running backs this season or, you know, top 10 in terms of rushing yards in total, depending on what kind of workload he has. I think on a per touch basis, he's going to be able to compare in terms of his efficiency with any other running back in the NFL this season. Same as the wide receivers. You know, you look at last year, both were solid. Now you look at the boost that they get with Stafford back there. How much more yardage does that equate to? Obviously, there's an extra game that is now going to be added to the schedule. So you will get another little bit of boost in yardage there. Do they get more touchdowns? How many more yards do they get? Do they get more yardage? Are they more efficient on a per-touch basis? Do they create more big plays down the field? More highlight-style plays, highlight real plays, stuff that's going to be on the red zone channel and things like that. Give them a little bit more pop to the eye to your average consumer, your average football fan. Maybe. I don't know. But I do think... When you factor in some of these upgrades to Stafford, the new scheme innovations from Sean McVay, offensive line maybe playing as good, maybe better, the potential growth of guys like Cam Akers, Van Jefferson, and Bryson Hopkins, and so forth, going into year two, the added explosion of guys like Deshaun Jackson and Tutu Atwell that they didn't have last year, that they sorely, sorely lacked on offense. I think that you can safely say they are sort of a victim of their own success They are probably being a little bit underrated, and I understand the reluctancy from everyone ready to just buy in right now. You know, there's still a lot to prove in terms of the gelling, the chemistry, the sustained success, the new pieces. There's a lot of question marks, obviously, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Your D coordinator talk off. You know, you lose a couple of good quality players, even elite players, John Johnson, the Troy Hills offense. The offensive line is obviously a question still, but feels like every offseason we come up with this laundry list of questions for the Rams, questioning, you know, are they going to be good enough at this spot? Are they going to be talented enough at this position? Are they going to be productive in this regard? And every single year, not necessarily that they're dominant from top to bottom because nobody really is, but 
what they do a very good job of is finding what they are good at and relying on those pieces and those scheme innovations and those exact intricacies of the game, relying on those the most and shouldering the load the most with those pieces and then letting whatever is left over fall on everyone else. And at the end of the day, you can't really complain with how much success they've had because at the end of the day, they do oftentimes find themselves in the playoffs, find themselves winning games in the playoffs and legitimately are a contender, I think, every year for more or less to be one of those teams in the NFC that are going to be the final team standing. Now, that is going to cover the offensive side of the ball. In the next segment, I want to flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. And let's be honest, there should be no excuses for the rankings on the defensive side of the ball. The Rams were the number one ranked defense last year, so presumably their players should be ranked relatively high. And while we've got you, make sure to check back every day here at the Locked on Rams podcast, especially for tomorrow's episode when we got special guest Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic joining us here to break down some of what she's seen at OTAs for the Rams. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NBA and NHL playoffs are finally here. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, LeBron James wasn't enough for the Los Angeles Lakers. Are they done? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this dissection of how the NFL media and landscape view the Los Angeles Rams going into this season and there are a few more PFF rankings that I want to dive into and take a look at some that may be considered egregiously bad or you know underrated in terms of the player per player basis here and I gotta dive right into the cornerback rankings because this one is a little bit interesting to me you look at their cornerback rankings number one is not Jalen Ramsey it is actually Jair Alexander of Green Bay And that does mean that Jalen Ramsey falls to number two. And while I want to say this is sort of not necessarily disrespectful, but underrated, you can't really say that he's underrated. I mean, he's still ranked number two. That's pretty damn good in a league full of 200 corners, 300 corners, however many there are. That obviously speaks to the talent that he has. But you look at Jalen Ramsey, I mean, what more could he have really done going back to last year? Now, did he create a ton of those turnover style plays I guess obviously you know he wasn't picking off passes like his teammate Darius Williams was but he was legitimately shutting down every number one wide receiver in the NFL following them shadowing them all over the field I mean if it was on the right side it was on the right side if it was on the left side it was on the left side if it was in the slot he was going into the slot this was a guy who legitimately shadowed wide receivers in a day and age when cornerbacks don't really do that and not only did he do that but I mean He shut down pretty much everybody. You look at DK Metcalf, DeAndre Hopkins, all these other dominant receivers that he played all year, Stephon Diggs. He locked these guys up pretty much every single week. He gave up fewer than 25 yards receiving in 11 games last season. That is absolutely dominant. My opinion, I think he has to be number one. And that's no slight at Jair Alexander, who is a tremendous, tremendous player and talent. But I don't think... When you look at the entire defense success, you look at Green Bay, you look at the Los Angeles Rams, 
You look at Alexander and what he was asked to do. You look at what Ramsey and what he was asked to do. I think you got to give it to Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he followed the number one wide receiver every single game all year. And his defense was number one, largely because of what he was able to do on that back end. And that doesn't do it for these cornerback rankings because the other guy across from him, Darius Williams, I think he was even more underrated than obviously Jalen Ramsey. You look at some of these other names, Adoree Jackson, number 12, Steven Nelson, number 13, Carlton Davis, number 15, Joe Hayden, number 17, Marshawn Lattimore, number 18, Darius Williams fell to number 20. While I get why he may be, you know, a little bit more hesitant to rank D. Will a little bit higher, you know, because he is sort of like that one-year wonder. He only has one year of experience and playing time, and he absolutely dominated in that year. But, you know, I can understand why he's a little bit more hesitant to bump up Darius Williams. But you look at some of the other rankings that we talked about in the first segment, in the second segment, they were not shy of putting rookie running backs who have yet to take a single snap in the NFL and ranking them 20th, you know, 17th, 23rd, whatever the case was, if you're willing to do that and look over the fact that they don't even have any snaps or, you know, you look at some of the other names and some of the other positions, they were not really held accountable for only having one or two or very short stints of elite play in the NFL. That I think speaks to Darius Williams being underrated because if these other positions aren't looked at as you need two or three or four good years to qualify or it's going to give you a bump, then corner should be no different. And I can tell you right now, Darius Williams, in my opinion, is a better player than Joe Hayden is, than Carlton Davis is, than Steven Nelson is, who's a free agent right now, than Adoree Jackson is. I'm taking Darius Williams over all of these guys. Matter of fact, I think he's very comparable to Marcus Peters, his predecessor in Los Angeles. And Marcus Peters was ranked 10th overall. So kind of shows you that difference in terms of how they're looked at and how they're viewed and I think that's one of the more underrated players on the team obviously he hasn't really gotten that media attention that he deserves just yet I'm sure he'll get it this year if he can repeat his performance but just goes to show you that again the Rams they have a lot of players who are willing to do their jobs they do them well but they aren't ranked that highly and so kind of ties back into the same theme of are these guys a victim of their own success and the last position here that I want to touch on, edge rusher. I actually thought this one made a lot of sense. One, they only had one edge rusher that made the top 32. I think that makes sense. I don't think they have really any impact players outside of Leonard Floyd. And Leonard Floyd was obviously the only name on this list. He ranked 28th. And I think it was actually a very fair ranking. You look at some of the names behind him, Trey Hendrickson, who had like 13 or 14 or 15 sacks last year. I can't remember. He ranks behind Leonard Floyd. Josh Allen, the once highly, highly drafted player from the Jaguars, very, very talented, but he didn't have the season that he wanted last year. I know he was hurt as well. You look at Matthew Judon, a very productive player in the NFL, comes behind Leonard Floyd. And Cleveland Farrell, a former top five pick by the Raiders, ranked behind Floyd as well. So I actually think that Floyd ranking was pretty well put there. 28th, I think that's fair for him. Still would be considered a starting edge for you know pretty much every team there because he is a top 32 player. But I don't think he's as impactful on his own or impactful enough to be considered, you know, very, very highly on this list. So that makes sense. But I do think when you look as a whole at this team, the same theme sort of reoccurs. And it's that the Rams somehow are viewed as a less superior team than a lot of these other teams are every single season. Somehow they always improve. And not only that, but they always exceed expectations from your national generic media. I think people that are more in tune with the Rams 
expect more out of this team because they know what to expect. They know how talented they are. And obviously now that hype is slowly starting to kind of catch up when you look at the new additions at quarterback and K-Makers entering year two. And now that they're involved with the Julio Jones sweepstakes, feels like a lot more people are slowly starting to catch up to them. They're obviously, you know, among the betting favorites in the NFC, potential Super Bowl champions, things like that. So it's clear that the hype is slowly starting to catch up with the Rams here. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I'm not really sure. We're going to find out this year. I don't think it's going to be something where, you know, it's going to weigh too heavily on their shoulders in terms of being, you know, this preseason favorite, the potential pressure that comes with that. They proved in 2018 over that offseason that when they put together that sort of dream team and the team that everybody thought should go to the Super Bowl, that's exactly what they did. They went to the Super Bowl and they more than proved that, you know, that pressure was not too much for them. And that was very early in the careers of, you know, Sean McVay and Jared Goff and all these other players who were still very, very young at that time. So I don't think it's a concern for the Rams. I think it is good that finally they are getting their due a little bit going into this offseason, slowly starting to catch up in terms of the bookies and the national media league-wide expectation that this team is talented enough to go to an NFC championship game Depending on what they do, how quickly they gel, how much they develop, how healthy they are, they could very well be the last team standing in the NFC and in the NFL, in my opinion. I think they are that talented, and I do view their improvements across the offense and some on the defense as enough to actually keep them not only productive, not only the favorites in the NFC West, not only one of the favorites in the NFC but as a team that could ultimately be the best team in the NFL this season. And I do think for some reason they are a little bit a victim of their own success, but I do think that is a spot that they like and enjoy being at. That is going to do it for this episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys for checking in with me here and listening to another episode. Make sure to check back tomorrow when we get special guest Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic. She's going to dive into what she's seen at the OTAs and share some of her insight from there. And just a reminder, you can come connect with us on Twitter at QB's MVP and at Lockdown Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.